you know, as Christians, we have to understand and, and be real with where we are. That's what we have to see first, individually. And what where our mindset is and what we desire. Eric the Addisons. I think what God is really calling us back to, it's those individual personal revivals in our own lives where we're like, oh Lord, what have we done? We have minimized you. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. As the church, man, we should be on the forefront yes. of making disciples, of indoctrination and godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Hi, and welcome to Airing the Addisons. I am Pastor Jeff Shreve, filling in for Will and Mickey, and I am joined in the studio today with my wife, Debbie, and we are excited to be with you. Uh, I am the uh, pastor of First Baptist Church in Texarkana, Texas, and the founder of From His Heart Ministries. From His Heart is heard every weeknight on American Family Radio at 6 p.m. Central Time. Well, Debbie, we started this year with a theme in our church, and the theme is we are soldiers, soldiers of the cross. Uh, We've been talking about that, uh, just the idea from Scripture, how God tells us in His Word, uh, suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. And the Bible makes it clear that the Christian life is not a playground, it's a battleground, and we are soldiers in the Lord's army. That's true of every Christian. If you are a believer in Jesus, a born-again believer in Jesus, you are a soldier in the Lord's army. And the big question is, what kind of soldier are you? Are you a good soldier who stands firm in the truth of, of God's word and walks with the Lord in the light? Or are you someone who leaves his or her post? Have you gone AWOL? Uh, do you flee in the face of the enemy? What kind of soldier are you? And so, uh, you know, we tend not to think in those terms so often, but it's critical, especially now as we see everything starting to uh, be shaken in America. It's critical to teach your children and to remind yourself, hey, I'm a soldier. And he said, the Lord said this was going to get difficult. Well, and what's interesting to me is that for so many years now, we have been hearing messages from quote unquote Christian leaders who are all about if you're just if you just claim it, goods come in your way. And and we've kind of been sold this bill of goods that has really no foundation in God's word. We are going to suffer hardships. The Lord never promised us anything different than that. And um, I think because we've heard so much of that for so long, people look at our situation currently and think, oh, what gives? You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm walking with the Lord. I'm, I'm being obedient. I'm doing the things I'm supposed to do. Why am I experiencing hardship? And um, if we really dig into God's word, we know you shouldn't be surprised by that. No. And, you know, the Lord makes it clear. And a lot of this is in Second Timothy, uh, where Paul writes from prison, uh, his last letter to his son in the faith, Timothy, and he tells him, hey, suffer hardship with me as a good soldier. This is Second Timothy chapter 2, beginning in verse 3. He said, no soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. And so he's reminding Timothy, hey, Timothy, the Christian life is going to be tough. 
Um, to quote the old song, I beg your pardon, I never promised you a rose garden. And so people who think you're coming into the Christian life and it's going to be all honey and no bees, they don't have a proper understanding of the Christian life. And he says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, but realize this, that in the last days, the days, the last days are the days between Christ's coming. So we're living in the last days. Paul is living in the last days. We're living in the last of the last days. But realize this, Timothy, in the last days, difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power, and avoid such men as these." Those are the days in which we're living in. Yeah, those are headlines. <laughs> yeah, and it's not going to be easy for a Christian. Yeah, it's just not. You know, and I was I was thinking um, earlier this morning, knowing that we were going to be talking about this this afternoon, I was thinking to myself, okay, you know, what are the characteristics of a good soldier? Because I desire in my heart to be a good soldier. And um, as I was just thinking through, and, and you can chime in if you have any to add to this, but I, I just kind of jotted down a few things. A good soldier obeys orders. And so they're obedient to their superiors and um, they don't question the dictates that their superiors give them. And uh, so often today, when, when we look at God's word and if it doesn't line up with what our emotions want it to be, we want to change God's word to mean something else as opposed to taking what our commander has said and being obedient and acting on that. So that was that was one thing I wrote down. Also wrote down that good soldiers are disciplined. They train. So they're always taking care of their physical bodies. They're they're mentally disciplined. Um, they're taking care of their thought processes. They're they're very focused when they're on a mission and how imperative it is for us in our training in God's word to be disciplined with that, to be disciplined in studying his word, to be disciplined in prayer, to be disciplined in those spiritual things. That's so important. Um, a good soldier is on the front line and he doesn't draw back from the battle. He's ready to engage. Mm -hmm. So he has the weapons and he's prepared for that. And in this day and age and in this culture, I, I see so many who are not prepared. So when something is, is projected through media or social media or they read something, they might think, mm, I don't know if that sounds right, but they, they don't have the knowledge of why it's wrong mm -hmm. because they haven't trained themselves up in that way and they're not able and, and feel um, educated enough to engage in the battle. And then a good soldier is always ready to be deployed. He's just on the ready. So even in their off times, they're still training. They're still working their bodies. They're still doing all these things. And then a good soldier has victory in his sights. He's not thinking, oh, I'm going to lose this battle. He's thinking, no, I'm going in this battle to win. I'm fighting to win. And uh, I think that's imperative for us today as well, to have that victor mentality because we've read the book and we do know that we win. And right. I think that's important. Well, and it's it's interesting how you look at that 
the victory because the victory is in Jesus. But as John MacArthur stated in a, a message to his church uh, a few months ago, he said, you know, in this life, we don't win. Right. We win when the Lord comes back. And, uh, and as Paul said, he says in this letter, 2 Timothy chapter 4, he said, the Lord will deliver me from every evil deed and bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Well, he goes from finishing this letter to getting his head cut off. So you say, well, did the Lord deliver him from that? Well, he did because he took him to heaven. But in this life, we're going to have difficulty as believers in Jesus. I mean, the the one we follow, the Lord Jesus, was uh, crucified, nailed to a tree, and put into a tomb. So uh, the victory comes in a different way. And so it's important for us, I think, to remember that, okay, difficult times are going to come for the child of God. Um, if, if the world hated Jesus, Jesus said, no, if the world hates you that it hated me before it hated you. And if you stand up for truth, the world is going to come after you and the world is going to persecute you. But that's okay. Um, in the famous Sermon on the Mount, uh, Jesus said, uh, you know, blessed are you when men revile you and persecute you and say all manner against you evil falsely on account of me for my name's sake. He said, rejoice and be glad for your reward in heaven is great. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, I think of Stephen, who was a good soldier for Christ Jesus. Well, he got stoned to death. And while he was being stoned, he said, I see Jesus, the Son of Man, standing at the right hand of God. Now, Jesus, when he finished his work, he sat down at the right hand of God. But Stephen saw him standing up. And I think he was standing up to tell Stephen, well done, my good and faithful servant, my good and faithful soldier. Um, but Stephen lost his life, so he he lost, but he won. And, right. and total victory comes when the Lord defeats the enemy, uh, the Antichrist and his forces at the Battle of Armageddon. But ultimately, we know the end of the story, as you said, Debbie, and we do win. And, uh, you know, the big question from Moses, who is on the Lord's side? Yeah, we want to be on the Lord's side. He doesn't come and get on our side. We have the opportunity to get on his side. And we do need to be good soldiers. Right. And to suffer hardship. And uh, nobody likes hardship. No, hardships aren't fun. They're not warm fuzzies, are they? No. No. But it's part of the deal. Right. And just as you said, a soldier knows going into battle, hey, this isn't, I'm not going to uh, Daytona Beach for a, a day of fun in the sun. Um, this is, I'm going in the trenches and it's going to be hot and it's going to be difficult and it's going to be, uh, people are shooting at me and, uh, that's just, that's just what I'm prepared for. That's the way. And you know, a be. good soldier, when they are engaged in the battle, they're very alert to what's going on around them. So they don't let their guard down. And I think, um, that's so imperative for us in our culture today is to be on the alert, to be ever on the lookout and um, to know who our enemy is. And our enemy is not other people, although sometimes we think that's our enemy. Our enemy is Satan. He's our enemy and he uses people in our life, right. certainly. But um, the people themselves that we don't agree with or we don't see eye to eye with or that are deceived and in themselves deceiving other people, they're not the enemy. 
We no. have an enemy and we've got to make sure we, we target the right enemy. Right. Right. I always think about David when he was getting ready to fight Goliath. You know, he heard Goliath's charge. Uh, you know, I defy the ranks of Israel. Send me a man that we may fight together. And then uh, David said, who's this uncircumcised Philistine that he should taunt the armies of the living God? And David's older brother, Eliab, said, you know, you're talking tough. You're just a little shepherd boy. Um, you know, who did you leave those few little sheep with? Why don't you just go back to your flock? He just mm-hmm. kind of called him out in front of the guys. David never said, okay, older brother, let's you and me right now. We'll throw down. I'll show you. Uh, David knew who the enemy was. The enemy wasn't his brother Eliab. The enemy was Goliath. And we need to remember, hey, the, yeah, the enemy is not uh, the neighbor across the street that has a different political view than we might have. It's not uh, somebody from a church across town or, or something like that. It's not somebody at your cubicle that's you know pro-LGBTQ, all that stuff. That's not the enemy. That's the mission field. But the devil does use people, but uh, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and the powers and the world forces of this darkness. Well, Debbie, you talked about training. Uh, To be a good soldier, you have to be trained. And the scripture says, discipline yourselves for the purpose of godliness. Train yourself. Uh, We need to, especially in this day and age, we need to be very equipped with the word of God so we can handle accurately uh, the word of truth and not be ashamed as a workman who needs not to be ashamed, as the scripture says. Uh, I love the passage in Hebrews. It says, for everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food is for the mature who, because of practice, have their senses trained to discern good and evil. And that, that word trained is the Greek word gomnadzo, which means to, uh, to go to the gym and to train and to work out and prepare yourself. Which is hard. Which is hard work. It's, uh, your flesh is not going to want to do that. But we have our senses trained to discern between good and evil. The Greek there is interesting. Between good, kalos, K-A-L-O-S, and evil, kakos, K-A-K-O-S. Those are very similar words. And you have to be astute to know the difference between what is good and what is evil. And so uh, that comes from spending time with the Lord. That comes from praying. That comes from reading his word and to keep yourself sharp, sharp in the things of God. Well, we're talking about being a good soldier of Christ Jesus. So we'll come back after the break. Don't go away. This is an ode to my old dude. Yeah, I know you are going to. I pray a better place you moved on to. One day I'm coming home too. This is an ode to my old dude. I know you are going to. I pray a better place you moved on to. Yeah, one day I'm coming home too. You were in the original. Hi, welcome back to the broadcast. Pastor Jeff Shreve here along with my wife Debbie. We're sitting in today for Will and Miki, and we're talking about being a good soldier of Christ Jesus. The Bible says the moment that we put our faith and trust in Jesus, we are in the Lord's army. And Paul told Timothy, the last letter he ever wrote, suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. 
So we want to talk now, Debbie, about some of the battlefronts that we face today. Well, they're just everywhere, are they not? I mean, it, we don't have just one battlefront anymore. Right. They're, they're all over. And um, we have our civil liberties that are just being threatened at every turn. We have um, the abortion issue. We have um, our our government and our judicial system wanting to completely redefine what marriage is, what a male and a female is. Um, then we have attacks on our physical health with this pandemic, you know, and um, the ever increasing fear that the current administration and the media want us to all fall captive to, uh, that we need to be absolutely scared to death about everything. And, um, you know, it, is, it has caused fear to just absolutely rule in the hearts of so many people. And um, it, it's really sad to see in, in our churches, we've just seen such a, a, a sifting of people, you know, that that some have never come back since mm-hmm. the pandemic um, started in uh, 2020. And then we've have, have others who are, who are, just they'll be back and then they'll get scared again and they won't come back. And, you know, it, it, it's just uh, interesting to see these these believers. And I, I truly think so many of them are true believers that you have you have always seen them in the light that their faith is so great and so strong. And yet now when their physical is potentially at risk, their faith has just kind of crumbled. Not that they don't have any faith. I'm not saying that, but but they're so fearful for their own life and for their own health at the risk of just isolating and, and not uh, following through on what the Lord says about assembling yourselves together. You know, the Bible doesn't say, and uh, you know, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together unless there's a pandemic. I right. mean, that's not in there. And so it, it, it really has been... Um, it's been disheartening in, in terms of just leadership. Pastors are very discouraged right now. Right. And um, it, it's it been hard and disillusioning to see some of these people that you thought were just iconic, maybe in, in, in your circle, in their faith. And you've, you've seen that be so attacked in such a strong way. Yeah. You know, I think about the story when Jesus calmed the see with the disciples, you know, he's asleep in the boat and they're experiencing a terrible storm and they wake him up. Master, do you not care that we are perishing? And he rebukes the the wind and the, the, everything dies down. And then he says, why are you so timid? How is it that you have no faith? I think that would be a question the Lord would ask many today. Mm -hmm. Why are you so filled with fear? How is it that you have no faith? I told you I was going to bring you safely to the other side. Uh, And I told you there were going to be difficulties along the way. There are going to be storms. You just keep your eyes on me and you just trust me. And, uh, you know, I I was um, thinking about how God uses circumstances like this, especially with the coronavirus and all that. He uses that to show people exactly where you are. It's kind of like a test in school. You know, what is a test in school? It shows you what you really know. Um, and a test with a storm or with a virus or with some difficulty that comes into your life, that shows you how far along you are. Mm-hmm. And for many, they thought, and, and maybe those of us who knew them, thought they were a lot further along in their relationship with the Lord than they actually were. 
Right. And, and living in fear like that, that is just not the abundant life that Christ died to provide for us. Right. Well, and I think, too, with some people, they, they don't like you to call them out on that and they get angry. I am not afraid. You know, they, they're quick to tell you they're not afraid as they're hiding under the bed, uh, you wetting their pants. And it's like, I think you are afraid. And one of the ways to get better is to at least be honest before the Lord and say, Lord, I am afraid. And uh, I don't want to be like this, you know, second right. uh, Timothy back to second Timothy chapter one, verse seven, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and discipline. Fear is of the devil. And so the devil uses fear. He uses lies because he's the a liar and the father of lies, but he pumps out lies to get us to get afraid, keep our eyes off the Lord and put our eyes on our circumstances. Just like Peter, when he was walking on the water, he was doing fine until it says, in seeing the wind, he became afraid. You know, I was just reading just this week as I was uh, preparing for a study and it talked about the fact that so often fear comes in when we feel we're out of control. When we're no longer in control of a situation, that's when fear rears its ugly head. And uh, in in those times, so often we just grab to get control back. And in that grabbing, we can get ahead of God. We can be out of sync with what he wants us to do. And, you know, there's illustrations of that over and over in the Old Testament, particularly where like with Sarah and Abraham, they got ahead of God. It wasn't working on their time schedule. And so in comes Hagar into the mix, you know. And so we have to just be so mindful of that, that God is the one that's in control. He is the one who's sovereign over all of this. It is our job as a soldier to walk in obedience to him. Because he has the master strategy all planned out. All we see is today's battle. He sees the whole war. Right. And so we have to make sure that we keep our focus on the right thing. And at the end of the last segment, we were talking about that idea of training and how we have to stay in the word and we have to stay in prayer and we have to be disciplined with that. And I know for myself personally, I pray every day that God will just give me a supernatural um, dose of his wisdom, of his understanding, of discernment, because these are difficult days in which we live. And our emotions, our minds, our limited knowledge that we have, we are not going to be able to make wise decisions if we're not relying on the Lord and in line with him. And if we're not given his discernment to be able to know the difference between the good and the evil, to see those subtle little things um, that make something that may appear to be good that make it bad. Mm -hmm. And so we have to, um, we can't rely on our own understanding. You know, just like the verse in Proverbs, we've got to lean on his understanding, not our own. Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. Well, and I think too, when it comes to our children, Mm. our kids are growing up in a very difficult time. They're growing up uh, thinking they're supposed to be afraid all the time. They're growing up perhaps seeing their parents constantly afraid. They're growing up with all the news that, you know, uh, if you get coronavirus, you're probably going to die and all this mm-hmm. stuff. And uh, so much misinformation about the coronavirus and and information about vaccines and, um, oh, they're, they're great. You're supposed to get one, get two, get three, keep getting them. And then other people that say th- this thing will kill you. 
And um, so it, there's just lots of stuff well, out there. Who's a boy and who's a girl? What right. does that look like? Right. You know, they're they're being they're being inundated with that information. And um, our kids growing up, they never had to deal with any of no. those things. It it is parenting in today's culture is a tough tough job, and uh, you've got to really be leaning on the Lord for sure to be able to know the direction that uh, you need to parent with, with your kids. Because like you said, the fear is abundant and kids pick up on so many things that you may not be aware that they're picking up on. Right. You know, you, I remember when our kids were little, they might've heard something and we didn't even know that they had picked up on it until months later. They might've said, well, I remember I heard you say, X, Y, Z, we're like, oh my word, we didn't even think you were listening, you know? And so we, they do pick up on so many things. They pick up on the tension level in the house, the fear factor in your home. They pick up on all those little nuances because they're very intuitive creatures, (laughs) these children of ours. And um, we have to be very, very careful. Well, and Paul told Timothy in, in his first letter to Timothy, he said, let no one look down on your youthfulness but rather in speech, conduct, faith, love, and purity, show yourself an example uh, to those who believe. And uh, I think about in, in speech, what comes out of your mouth, and especially thinking about parents, uh, you want your kid to follow Christ. You want them to uh, to walk in his ways and, and to be you know sold out for Jesus. Uh, he's going to watch you more than he's going to listen to you. So the old poem says, I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. I'd rather you go with me than merely point the way. The eye is a more ready pupil than ever was the ear. Good advice is often confusing, but example is always clear. I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. Listen, mom and dad, you are the sermon for your son and for your daughter, and they're watching you. And so what comes out of your mouth? They're listening. Uh, in speech, in conduct, how you act and how you react. Um, They're watching that. Now, we can act a certain way. Reaction, you don't get to really... Pick that. (laughs) Yeah, that's not going to be pre... Pre-done, however you meditated. Say that. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's just going to boom. That's just you're in traffic. How do you react? And so that's how a good way to tell if you're walking with God is your reactions are pleasing to the Lord, but your speech, your conduct, your faith—that is huge. That your kids see that you're not like the ten faithless spies who say, oh, they're giants in the land. We're going to get wiped out. The worst is coming. We're going to lose our house. I'm going to lose my job. And they live in this doom and gloom and fear and everything is is uh, just going to be horrible. No, we want to live like Joshua and Caleb who say, God is going to see us through. And yeah, there are giants out there and there are difficulties, but God is our God and he's going to see us through. Those things are critical that your kids see that in you. Yes, it's so important to model that in front of them because they're they're just like sponges. They just absorb everything. And so um it, it it's just so important and I I think back to especially if your if your children have been brought up in in 
your home is a Christian home and you've had them in church since they were, you know, able to go to the nursery after their first round of shots. If that's the kind of situation that that you've had for your family, that's awesome. That's great. But the the problem with that is as your kids get older, they can know all the right things to say but not necessarily have truly made a heart commitment to the Lord. And as a parent, I think that's one of our most critical roles is to be able to decipher and discern that because, you know, you don't get grandfathered in, in the Christian faith. It's, you know, it's your individual faith. And so especially bringing kids up in church and them being able to quote scripture because they've been in Bible drill or they've been in Sunday school, but to truly make sure that they understand what that is and for themselves personally, they have made that choice and they've made that decision. I think that's um that's really, really, really important. Well, you can't live off mom and dad's faith. Right. You have to have your own faith. And I think it was Carrie Shook that wrote the book Secondhand Faith or His Children Did. Um, it was just talking about that. You, you, you can't you can't have secondhand faith. It's got to be first person. I've put my faith and trust in Jesus. I'm not living off mom and dad's faith. You know, it's, it's kind of like in uh, in John chapter four, when uh, the woman at the well, uh, you know, told these guys, come see a man who told me all the things I've ever done. This uh, cannot be the Christ, can it? And uh, it said that uh, many from that city, um, And from that city, many of the Samaritans believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified, he told me all the things that I had done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they were asking him to stay with them. And he stayed there two more days and many more believed because of his word. And they were saying to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves and know that this one is indeed the savior of the world." Everybody has to get to that place where for yourself, you understand Jesus is the Savior and I've given my life to him. Well, I think another thing that's so important when it comes to dealing with our kids, especially in this realm of training them up in godliness, is to make sure that we are always talking with them about God's word. We're always talking to them about current events and things that are going on and how that does how those events maybe don't line up with God's word and why we believe the things that we believe, not just that there are opinions, but that, no, this is this is what God says about these things. And I go back to that verse in Deuteronomy 11 that says, therefore, you shall lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul and bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children, speaking of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. Every opportunity you have, you need to be speaking the truth of God's word into your children's life because every situation is a learning situation. Every situation is. And to, to understand that they pick up on and they're a lot more aware of things than you realize that they are. And you need to make sure that you are focusing and talking to these points to con- to alleviate some of their confusion and to adequately answer questions that they have. Right. And the Bible has answers for the questions that they're going to be asked, especially when they get into college and they're challenged in their faith. The Bible does have answers. Hey, we're going to be taking your calls in this next segment. The number to call is 1-888-589-8840. That's one 888 
589-8840. We would love to talk to you and uh, take your call and, uh, and help you as we help each other, encourage one another in being a good soldier of Christ Jesus. That's what he's called us to do. So at the end of life, we can hear him say, well done, my good and faithful servant. So don't go away. We'll be right back after the break. Hi, and welcome back to Airing the Addisons. I am Pastor Jeff Shreve here with my wife, Debbie. We're sitting in today for Will and Miki. We're talking about being good soldiers of Christ Jesus, soldiers of the cross. As we taught our kids when they were little, I'm in the Lord's army. I may never march in the infantry, ride in the cavalry, shoot the artillery. I may never zoom or the enemy, but I'm in the Lord's army. And the Bible teaches us that. And we used to sing those songs and onward Christian soldiers and stand up, stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. I believe that we need to get back to thinking like a soldier and to suffer hardship as a good soldier of Christ Jesus and to know that no soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. Our job is to please the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who died for us, the one who enlisted us as a soldier. Well, in this segment, we're taking your calls, 1-888-589-8840. That's 1-888-589-8840. And we would love to talk with you and uh, just to encourage you in the Lord and encourage uh, all of us as we uh, as we fight this battle, as we uh, stand up for Jesus as soldiers of the cross, as we stand up for the truth, knowing that truth is hate to those who hate the truth. Yeah, I was just thinking about that, about being encouraged. And uh, it's so easy as we look around in our world to become discouraged, but it is no accident that we are the people that are here and alive at exactly this moment in history for exactly these events in history. You know, that was that was ordained for us. And so we are here purposefully for such a time as this. Right. It is not an accident that we are here. And as such, we can trust on God's protection, his provision. We can trust that he is going to lead us, that he's going to guide us, that he's going to give us the wisdom when we ask for it, when we seek after that, and when we seek after him, that we're going to be able to find him. We can be encouraged in all of those things. And I think we have to encourage ourselves in the Lord because our culture is not going to encourage us. And we have to make that as part of our discipline to make sure that we spend time with him so that we can be encouraged um, because we are in a battle and uh, we need to be prepared for it. But we are also in a battle because God has ordained us for per- exactly this time in history to be here. That is not an accident. Yeah, I love what the scripture says in the book of Esther. You know, when Esther found out that Haman had hatched this plot that was going to kill the Jews and her her family member Mordecai had told her, hey, you need to go talk to the king. 
And she said, well, I can't just go talk to the king. I mean, he hasn't called for me. And if you just go in the king's presence without being called for, uh, the, the result is death. And uh, I love what he said to her. Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, do not imagine that you in the king's palace can escape any more than all the Jews. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place and you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not attained royalty for such a time as this. We are living for such a time as this. God has put us in the position that he's put us in to make a difference. And we need to stand up even if it costs us our lives. Well, we have Vernon from Kentucky. Vernon, welcome to the broadcast today. Hello, brother and sister. Hello. How you Hello, doing? Hello, brother and sister. Hi there. Uh, the reason Hi. for my call, uh, the reason for my call, I had, uh, spoke, I, I, I had spoken to my daughter, granddaughter, about uh, the scripture that you're, you're that you're, that your wife used, my sister used, uh, about uh, speaking to her day and night. I, I forgot right. how it goes. Right, in Deuteronomy. Right. Yeah. And uh, she, she goes to me, well, she's too young. She, don't know, she doesn't know what I'm talking about. Well, I, I thought to myself just now, you don't tell her she's not going to know at all. But, That's uh, right. And it, yeah, so... I don't know. Uh, I didn't. I didn't uh, actually talk to her about it again. But it still, haunt, it, it, you know, it haunts me so. Uh, what she said to me, and that's been a long time ago. So, what can I do to encourage her to change her attitude about that? Well, I think the encouragement would be that that there's always power in the Word of God, and it is never up to us for to Im, impart uh, understanding to someone else. All we can do is speak it, and we trust the Holy Spirit to grant understanding and to grant wisdom. And so it's the Holy Spirit's job to impart that into a child's life, but we have to be usable vessels for that. And so I think just like with anything, you start— you start teaching your kids the ABCs long before they can talk. You're 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 have children's books that you know six months old look at that have animals in them and have letters and they don't have the ability at that particular time to necessarily grasp all of that. But you're laying a foundation um, for when they do have the ability to grasp that. And so it's important that we just always be just like that verse says regardless of their age, that we be speaking those truths into their lives and that later on we trust the Holy Spirit to grant them understanding of those things. Right. And I think the little phrase is so true. Christianity is more caught than taught. Uh, obviously, we're to teach it, but they will watch how you live and, and how you, uh, you know, in your speech, your conduct, your faith, your love and your purity, show yourself an example to those who believe. So Vernon, thank you so much for that. Thank you for your heart for wanting to teach the next generation. We have Timothy from Oklahoma. Timothy, welcome to the broadcast. Hello, Mr. Shreve. How are you doing today? Tim Good. How are you? I'm doing fine. I got the victory today and I'm uh, just taking a break, drinking some sweet tea. Uh, my comment, <laughs> my comment uh, is uh, regarding 
Like, I think I understand. I think I know the answer to my question already. So it may be kind of rhetorical, but I want to get your take on this question. Why do you think so many uh, ministers or pastors or even denominations are moving away from being led by the Holy Ghost to uh, their own interpretations of Scripture? Do you think that that's the result of these different interpretations of vital Scriptures? Like, it leads people from believing that they can be baptized in the Holy Ghost after they're saved to the point where they think that they have the Holy Ghost when they get saved. And I've seen a complete difference in people that I've been around. Uh, I'm, I'm a member of the, the Holiness uh, Movement, but I wasn't always a part of that. I got saved five years ago, came into the Holiness Movement a year and a half ago. And I've seen a clear difference between my life and the life of these men. And it's, it's supernatural. And their life is according to Scripture completely. It's not something outside of it. But I was just wanting to see your take on that. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that, Timothy, and uh, excited that uh, that you've been really experiencing the Lord in a, in a deep way as you walk with Him. Um, you know, the Bible says, Do not be drunk with wine wherein is ex- excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Literally, be ye being filled. It's a continual filling where you're surrendered to the Lord. Um you know, there, I don't. I don't believe personally that there is a a one time filling of the Spirit that just takes you through for the rest of your life. I think we have to constantly come before the Lord and to surrender our lives to Him anew and afresh. Not in in a way of you get saved every day, but in a way that you're showing up every day and saying, Lord. You have saved me. Here's my life. I surrender it to you. I want you to live through me today. I want your spirit to be in control. Um, Anything that is done in the flesh is repulsive to God. Uh, Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And a Christian who is not surrendered to the spirit of the living God can't be used of God. Um, And the the Lord has no fellowship with the flesh. It's Galatians 5, 16, but I say walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh for the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh for these are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things that you please. And so we have to be surrendered to the to the Holy Spirit of God so that he can use us, so that he gets all the glory, so that, uh, that we are uh, abiding in Jesus. You know, Jesus said, John 15, apart from me, you can do nothing. But the good news is, with me, you can do all things. So, Timothy, I appreciate your call. I thank you so much for um, for phoning into the broadcast today. We have Todd from Louisiana. Todd, you are on Airing the Addisons. Welcome today. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Um, I'd just like to say uh, I appreciate what you guys are doing, stepping in for them. And... Um, Oh. In today's world, in today's world, you know, you look around and, I mean, you see people that really don't even know God or don't want to know Him. I mean, I, I blame the uh, the society that we live in because, you know, you look at our school system. I remember when I was coming up that um, evolution was taught in my school, and I really was very disappointed in that because, you know, my mother was, you know... A, a Christian, you know, she believed in creation, but I, I thought she should have stood up for me, you know, in the school system, you know, because I think they are poisoning everyone's mind, you know, it's either creation or not. And 
I'm going to hang up and listen to you, brother. Thank you. Yes. Well, I mean, obviously, uh, God created the world just like he said he did in the book of Genesis. He spoke and it was done. Uh, evolution makes absolutely no sen sense at all. Uh, the equation nobody times nothing equals everything is just uh, is lunacy. And so um, I, I agree with you. And I was taught evolution when I was in school. Debbie, I'm assuming you were taught That's that too. That's a theory. Uh -huh. Yeah. Not, as, not necessarily. It wasn't presented as fact so much as it was presented as a theory among other theories. Right. But creation wasn't taught like, well, this is how it really happened. But right. This is what people say. Right. Um, that's why it's so important for parents to teach their kids uh, what what does the Bible say and what's the truth? Because they're not getting that in school. In uh, school, when I was in school in the in the back in the day, back in the day, in the you 60s walk and two 70s, miles in the snow. <laughs> um, it, it was a lot better back in the day than it is today. Well, I I think as a parent in today's culture, you have to be on your game, making sure you know exactly what is being taught to your kids in school. Um, we live in Texarkana, Texas, and we are blessed with fabulous school districts that are conservative, yes. that... Um, People still pray in school. I mean, it, they're just wonderful, wonderful schools. But um, other areas of the country don't necessarily have that. And and you you're hearing now about different parents across the country that are going before the school board saying, "No, you cannot allow this to be taught in our schools. We do not want our children learning this." And so, I think it's so imperative as a parent. It's part of your responsibility is to make sure that you are informed on what is being taught to your child because they're in that school a lot longer in their waking hours than they're with you. Right. They're having a tremendous impact on your child. And so you've got to make sure that um, even though um, spiritually you may not line up with the school district, you want to make sure that the things that are being taught and, and that you have an opportunity to to uneducate your child if, if they've been told something that you know is wrong. Right. Um, and so that's part of a parent's responsibility. Right. And I think that's key because God gave the children to the parents. And so the parents are responsible for that, for that child. And if that child's being uh, fed poison, you right. know, if, if in the lunch line they were given a arsenic, you would make sure, Hey, you don't take that. But if they're getting poison, into their minds, you got to stop that too and say, no, we're not going to have that. And it can come to the place where it's like, I'm going to have to pull my child out of the school because I'm not going to have them subjected to, to this. Right. And so, and I realize that's a hardship on parents if both of them there are working, but you got to prioritize and, uh, and protect your child from that. So I appreciate that question, Todd. Well, we've been talking today about being good soldiers of Christ Jesus. And I just want to um, close the broadcast by encouraging all the listeners to, uh, to take, you know, take stock of your life. Are you really seeing the Christian life for what it is? It is a battle and the devil is the original terminator. He doesn't ever stop. He doesn't take a break. Um, he is coming at us to steal and to kill and to destroy. And um, we need to stand up to him. The Bible says, put on the full armor of God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. 
And so we don't need to be afraid of him. He prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour, but resist him firm in your faith. And the Lord will stand with us. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. And so we can stand up and be counted, speak the truth in love, know that the world hates, uh, is going to hate us if we stand up for Jesus, but that's okay because we live to please him. We're a good soldier who pleases the one who enlisted us. So thanks for joining us today. God bless you. Keep walking with Jesus. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.